0: Bible study. Hi guys, my name is Matt, and we're going to kick off your uh, Genesis chapter 2. So let's just kind of get into it, and then we'll kind of uh, talk about some things as we go. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Okay, so what's that mean? Heavens and earth and everything that's in them. Okay. Okay. So that's all the animals, all the anything, everything that's in space, everything that's on the earth, everything that's inside the earth, under the earth, as far as like in the water and all that kind of stuff, above the earth and the sky, everything. This is how all that was made. That's what chapter one was. It's just kind of a summary. Okay, so now we go to verse two. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he hath made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So let's talk about that part real quick. So basically in chapter one, we went through the first six days of creation, basically the bullet points. We didn't go into detail, But it's basically the bullet point. Here's when we did this, then this, then this, then this, then this, then this, then this. this. Okay, chapter 2 says now everything's done, everything's finished. Everything that's created that ever was and ever will be, as far as we know it in our universe, all of that stuff is now created. It's finished, it's done. And on the seventh day, the very next day, God quit working, quit making stuff. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, from everything that he made. He quit making stuff. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Now, what does sanctified mean? Well, some people think that means made it holy, which it does, but not in the sense of holy like... uh, People think like holy, like holier than now. That's not kind of what he means. What he's talking about here is he separated it. He made it different. He separated it from all the stuff that he made, made it different from the days of work. He made it a day of rest. He separated it. He made it different. Not the same as all the other days. A different day. A different kind of day. For a different reason. For doing different things. Okay? Okay. And so, right here, eventually, there will be commandments that start to come along, one of which is going to be talking about, when you talk about the Ten Commandments, first of all, you're talking about the fourth one being keeping the Sabbath, that one, yeah, the Sabbath, or the seventh day, or the Shabbat, or the Shabbos, depending on, again, which language you're talking about there. When you're not supposed to work on it, that comes along in Exodus 28. Uh, You're not supposed to be, um, you know what I mean, doing any cooking and stuff on it It is in Exodus 16.23. You're not supposed to be uh, starting fires to to make stuff, to do work. Uh, Exodus 35.3, you're not supposed to be buying or selling or causing anybody else to have to buy or sell anything. That's in Nehemiah 10.31. And you're not supposed to be doing your own selfish stuff. Uh, You're supposed to be taking that day off to focus on God and on things of God, meaning like family and nature and not work, basically. Not work, not making money, not profiting, not um, doing things for yourself, but instead doing things for other people, doing things for the earth, doing things for animals, doing things for God kind of indirectly through these other things and that's in Isaiah 58 13 just if you want to have that as a reference okay so now that we have this the next thing we're going to be getting into is is the whole Adam and Eve business okay but before we do that I want to share something with you that I find kind of interesting and what that is is I uh, again I'm not a big prophecy guy and by that I mean uh, I I'm, I'm not a I'm not a prophet I don't claim to uh, understand prophecy, but I can tell you that I noticed something, that I'm good with patterns. And the pattern that I've noticed in these first six and now seventh day of creation is that there is a plan for everything. And I mean everything from the beginning all the way to the end of this book, and some of the stuff in the end of this book hasn't even happened yet. It's going to happen in the future. So everything from the beginning to what will eventually become the end is already detailed for us. Well, what do you mean it's already detailed for us? It just talks about the stuff that was made. I know, just bear with me for a second. On day one, what did we have? Light and darkness, which is a Again, which when you talk about prophecy, you're talking about metaphors and symbolism, okay? Light and darkness is has always been a, a symbol of good and evil. So what do you have in the first day one? Well, let's talk about day one. Eventually, Peter, back in the New Testament, we'll get there, says that to God... A day is worth a thousand years and a thousand years is worth a day. So what he's talking about is, is when it comes to things of prophecy, anything that says a day here is representative of, metaphorically, a thousand years of real time. Okay, so what difference does that make? What are we talking about? Well, Let's, let's look at what happened on day one. Day one, we've got light and darkness, good and evil. So what happens in the first thousand years of recorded history? Well, you've got the Garden of Eden, okay? It's right there that everything was perfect and then not, good and evil. Everything was light but then darkness enters the world, okay? So you have that separation of light and dark, that separation of good and evil, and in the first thousand years of man's history, the key event that happened there was the Garden of Eden, heaven on earth getting divided, getting kicked out, no longer allowed to be in the all light part. Now you get put out into the darkness, okay? So let's talk about day two. What happens? Well, that's when it's talking about the separating the waters from the waters. A lot of talk about water. All the water being created on this void planet, right? So what happens in the second thousand years according to the history here in the Bible? Hmm, what big famous Bible story has to do with a lot, a lot, a lot of water covering the face of the earth, the flood, that's what happened. Says the waters cover the entire face of the earth. Well, right here on day two, it says that the waters covered everything. The earth hadn't even poked through yet. So the waters again, day two, covering the face of the earth. And in the second thousand years of our history, according to the Bible, we have a flood where the water covers the face of the earth again as far as a key thing that happened in that two thousand in, in that second thousand year period okay so let's see what happens next day three we've got land and the creating of all the plants and everything according to its seed being made after itself you know what i mean that it reproduces according to its seed that is within itself, right? So what happens in the 3,000th year period? Well, that's when Abraham, which will eventually get there, is promised that his seed will be multiplied across the land, across the earth, and that he is going to be given land as far as he can see. And that his seed is going to multiply like the stars of heaven and like the sands of the desert. Okay. So again, day three, seed and land. The 3,000th year period, what happens? Abraham is promised his seed will be as numerous as the stars and that he will have all the land that he sees. Okay. Day four, what do we got now? Sun, Moon, Stars, right? So basically, what are we talking about? Talking about the light bearers. The things that are light to our planet. Things that create light to our planet. So what do we have that comes in day four? Well, What we have is, in the 4,000th year of our history, is the Messiah comes back. The Messiah, what's that? That means the Promised One. The Anointed One. Jesus. The Christ. Christos. That's where we get Christ out of the Greek. Messiah. From Mashiach of the Hebrew. This is when Jesus comes to bring light to our dark planet. Again, we're talking about symbolism here. That's the four thousandth year. Day five, what do we got? We've got fish, birds, right? So what happens in the 5,000 year period. Well, right after the birth of Christ and you get into that 5,000 year mark from the beginning of time as we know it, there are verses in the New Testament that talk about when Jesus gathered his disciples it said that I will make you fishers of men. Okay? That basically... What that's talking about is that uh, before that in history, the Jews weren't looking for converts. And Orthodox Jews, to this day, are not looking for converts. You don't see a whole lot of people, you don't see a lot of Jewish televangelists trying to convert people to Judaism. Because they basically believe that if you're a Jew, you're born a Jew or you will learn about the Jews on your own and want to become a Jew and you'll do it on your own. You don't we don't need people going out there trying to convince people or coerce people into becoming a Jew. Okay? Well, after the Messiah comes, that changes. Jesus tells his disciples and all the disciples that come after him that you are to go out and preach this gospel, preach the fact that you should be coming to this religion. You should be coming to God. You don't just have to be born into it by blood, by nationality, by race. You should be choosing it, you should be coming to it, and here's why, and giving explanations, and walking through that to regather the sheep, which we can talk about again later, that phrase. Okay, okay well what about birds? Well, what also happens in that 5,000 year period, this is after Jesus, is this Holy Spirit gets given to the people as a comforter and a guide since Jesus left. Okay? So he's come, he's died, he's resurrected, and now he's ascended back into heaven. So he sends the Holy Spirit, and it talks about him as lighting upon the people like tongues of fire or as a dove, as a bird, okay? So there's your day five correlation. Day six, that's when animals come and when people come. And what were we supposed to do? We were supposed to replenish the earth and subdue it. This is where we are right now in history. We're in that 6,000 year mark. And for the most part, man has pretty much subdued every piece of land. We've almost subdued everything under the water. We're trying to subdue as much of space as we can. We are trying our best to multiply, have more people than we've ever had before, and we're trying to do that to the best of our ability and that's where we are right now. Okay, so then what comes next? Well, day seven, what happened? All the work's over. The work's done, no more working. It's a separate kind of thousand years that will be different than the other previous 6,000. Everything that we know of is all going to be different it's all going to change it's all going to be easy it's all going to be a rest it's going to be a thousand years where jesus comes back and reigns and you won't have all these other these other things to do it's literally going to be a thousand years of rest that hasn't happened yet obviously you can look around and tell that that hasn't happened yet but it will that's what's coming next, and we're getting very, very, very close to that now. So keep that in mind. Okay, now well, let's move on. We're already, we're almost in into uh, verse four of chapter two now. So chapter four, uh, chapter two, verse four. Here we go. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God. Made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Wait a minute, what's that talking about? He's saying. Now we're going to go back to the creation story and we're going to kind of reiterate some things and give some clarification on some things and give some details on some things. So here we are at the very beginning, before there were plants, Before there were basically what he's saying is this isn't a continuation after the seventh day. We're starting over and going back to give detail about what we've already talked about. That's what he's saying there. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. That's dew. That's what we call dew today. That's the only way that the plants got water. There was no rain yet. It had never rained yet on the earth. This is the only way that that water got to the plants on the earth, was basically condensation and dew. Okay? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So right there, it says basically, people, the first person, was made from dirt. And to this day, all the elements that are in the earth are the same elements that make up your body. That's why when you die and you decompose, they say dust to dust. That's what they're talking about. What started as dust became a man, and now that it's dead, the man will become dust again. And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Boom. Before that, it's just a body. He creates this form, this shell, this physical body, but it's not alive yet. It's just a body sitting there until he breathes the breath of life into it. Meaning he puts a soul in this person and brings it to life. It kind of makes me think of like Frankenstein. It's alive, it's alive. Anyway, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. So let's stop right there for a second. What's that talking about? Well, and it's very windy, so so pardon the uh, rustling of the pages and trees. So God planted a garden eastward, meaning was the whole earth Eden? Nope. He planted a garden, a separate thing, and the word garden there in the Hebrew actually means enclosure. It doesn't mean like like a plot of ground that's all dirt that's got plants growing in it, like you think of a garden. He actually created like an enclosure, uh, like a park, kind of, with a fence around it. And that enclosure is the Garden of Eden. And it says, And there he put the man whom he had formed. So basically, he creates man at this separate place from earth and puts him into this enclosure, into this... this, this fenced-in area basically, okay, this this place that was separate, that was separated from just the rest of the, the world. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so there's two trees that are very specific amongst all these other kinds of fruit trees we've got the tree of life which is basically the tree of eternal life you eat this and you don't die as long as you keep eating this fruit you stay alive and the tree of knowledge of good and evil which basically means eternal knowledge the knowledge of everything if you eat this tree you will know everything good and bad but at this point, he's basically kept man innocent to where all he sees is the beautiful things that he sees. Everything in his garden is perfect. He doesn't even know that there is such a thing as bad, like a little baby. Okay. Number 10. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Okay. Which, by the way, the names of these, of uh, most of these rivers, mean plentifulness and and uh, growth and expansion. Just kind of keep that in mind too. And the name of the first is Pison. That is which compass the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. So it's talking about rivers that they are aware of at this time. They know, this is the river that goes out and and goes all the way around the whole land of Havilah. It's talking about this to the people who were alive at the time, where there's gold. Where there's gold? So they knew that there was gold in that land. And the gold of that land is good. There is delium and onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gahan. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia." This is again, we know where that is, and Ethiopia uh, back then was called Cush, uh, which we can talk about that a little bit later too, and the name of the third river is Hidekel, That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, of Assyria. and the fourth river, is Euphrates. And they all knew where that was. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. So he was created somewhere not in the garden. He puts him in the garden, which is an enclosure, like a little fenced-in park for him to live in. And put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. To do what? To dress it and keep it to take care of all the plants, to take care of everything that's living in that park, to be the caretaker of that garden, park ranger. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Every tree, right? Okay, let's keep reading. But, there it is, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Boom, let's stop. So basically, he creates earth, all the animals, all the stuff. On this earth, he fences off an area and puts all the best of everything inside that fenced off area. And creates man, puts him inside this fenced off area where all the best of everything is. And right smack in the middle of it he puts temptation he puts the one tree that you're not allowed to eat from okay you can eat of anything else tree of life eat of that you don't die keep eating it eat whatever else you want but just don't eat this one tree because if when you eat it that's when we're gonna cut off your ability to eat from the tree of life and eventually you're gonna start dying that's when you're Cells are not going to continue to regenerate. You are eventually going to decline and die, right? And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. He created, he gathered man from dirt. But the word there that says make him a helpmeet for him, the actual hebrew word there is built like he actually built the woman man he just kind of scrapped some dirt together and called it good but woman he actually built it i will build him a help for him think about it that way and out of the ground the lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all of the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. Uh, But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him, meaning all the other animals had male and female, had partners, had friends to kind of hang out with, but Adam's the only one of his kind. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Think about like when you have to do surgery, you know, they knock you out. Here we go, deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made, there's that word build again, built he a woman and brought her unto the man. So man he creates from dirt, woman is literally created out of the rib of a man. Meaning he knocks him out, he does some surgery, goes in, takes a piece out of one of his ribs, sews him back up, closes the flesh back up, and then from the rib, he makes or builds a woman. What's interesting is, is that in bone marrow, inside of bones like your, you know, like your leg or your rib, is where they get DNA to, you know, or uh, cells that they use whenever they need to regenerate uh, other organs and things for surgery. So just kind of keep that in mind. And and brought her unto the man. And Adam said. This is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. So what it's talking about there is. The Hebrew word there is isha. And ish. Meaning isha is woman. And ish is man. Okay. So. I'm going to call her woman because she was taken out of man. She was a part of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And then that's the end of the chapter. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Okay, so again, we're just kind of revisiting the original uh, bulleted version of chapter one and we're coming back and starting to see some kind of details given about how things were created creates man from the dust of the earth breathes into his nostrils and gives him life sees that he's alone when all the other animals and stuff have partners and he makes a wife he actually builds her out of the bone of a man knocks him out does surgery pulls out the rib sews him back shut takes the rib makes a woman out of it okay and it says that Adam said this is now bone of my bone flesh of my flesh meaning she is so close to me she came from me okay and that's why when again when a man grows up he leaves his father and mother he leaves his house and he finds a wife and they shall be one flesh. They come together in the same way. They are to be together in the same way that Adam and Eve were literally made from each other. That they were so close to each other that they were literally one from the other. They were of the same substance. And so that's what that other verse is talking about there. And likewise, guys... When we have wives and wives, when we have husbands, we should be on the same team. We should be on the same page. We should be together like we were the same person. Like we were bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. We should be together. We shouldn't be separated. We should be together. Okay? So let's keep that in mind as well. Now in 25, there's kind of a cliffhanger for what's going to become... An uh, later, and it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they weren't ashamed. Mean, meaning, they were both naked and they didn't give two hoots about it. They didn't think about what not naked would be or that there even was such a thing as naked. Think about all the other animals. It's not like, you know, the the cows and the beavers were running around with pants, okay? Every other animal was naked. They were naked. It seemed normal. It was the, It was just the way it was. And we'll kind of build on that for next time. So thanks for sticking with me. That's chapter 2. Uh, next time we'll look at chapter 3 of Genesis. God bless and shalom.